What radio, the music you want. With your host, Geez Dan. Excuse me! RadioWhat.com What's up, party people? It's Keys Dan with RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com, coming to you live and in living color from the Radio What studios. And this is my podcast, What Makes You Famous? It's an extension of the RadioWhat.com internet radio station that I've been running for quite some time. And if you need DJ services, where do you go? DJLittleRock.com. Yeah, I said it, DJLittleRock.com. Check availability and get a free price quote. You know, I like to party with the people. Karaoke jams, video dance parties, you know, all kinds of parties where the people need to be entertained. Speaking of the people need to be entertained, today on the program, I have Jay Gordon. Jay Gordon. Yeah, I, the Jay Gordon. That one. Oh, you don't, you still don't know who I'm talking about? Well, you stick around. He'll be in your ears in the next few minutes. Yeah. This week's shows. Yes, this is the part of the program where I promote the shows that I'm that are coming up this week, uh, public shows and the private shows that I'm doing. Well, due to the novel COVID-19 coronavirus, I have no public shows. I have no private shows. I have podcasts. That's right. I get to talk to people and you get to benefit from those talks and listen to them in your ears. All right. Without any further ado, let's get into it with Jay Gordon. Calling Jay Gordon now. Hello. Jay Gordon, please. Uh, Jay speaking. This is Dan. This is Dan. Oh my goodness. I am speaking to the legendary Jay Gordon, blues musician. The excitement is on. Oh my goodness. You are legit, man. You are legit. <laughs> oh, you've been, uh, you did a little history on me then. Oh, you better believe it, man. I'm listening to all your, all your stuff, man. Especially. All right. I can't talk about Jay Gordon blues musician without talking about his lady love, uh, Sharon Butcher. You know, oh, there you go. she is mm-hmm. definitely the one that's promoting you the best. I know she's right on right at your side while you're on stage. <laughs> you know, let, let's back up a little bit. Jay Gordon, tell the people a little bit about who you are. Well, you know, I'm just a guy who really uh, believes in music uh, thoroughly and totally. And uh, that's what I do. I've been doing it my whole life. And uh, that's my passion. You know, uh, music is my, you know, it's, it's like a religion to me, man. I mean, I can't get enough of it i live eat and breathe it and i've been doing that for a long long time well you've and made us a- love to play <laughs> I, I i love playing and, and and i really enjoy playing in front of people you know, i play for the people i just don't play for me i love playing live in front of audiences whether they're huge or small sometimes little intimate venues are even even nice you know well that's what a performer does love, man I, yeah I just love to play, bro. I love to sing and play and write, and you know that's 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 who I am, and that's what I do. Well, let's go there. I mean, we can do a, 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 the comparison. Uh, do you like? Okay, you say you like playing live, but is there is there? Uh, well, there's definitely worth to recording your music, going into a studio and recording the music. That's one side of it. But going out and playing live—that's your passion. That's where you where you want to be, feeling the energy from the people. Is that what I'm understanding? Oh, yeah, I see. 
exactly. Yeah, I feed off the people. I mean, uh, but you know, like when I do record, I record live. You know, I record like I'm doing a gig. You know, I, I make records the old-fashioned way, the way records should be made, in my opinion. You know, I play as a unit. We play as a band, just like I'm doing a gig. We set up, we're in the same room. I just baffle things off. Mike things get a good direct mix and go. So all my records are basically recorded live. You know, very few of the 18 albums I have overdubbed on. Very few, it's just the way it is. That is nearly because unheard of. Yeah, that's nearly well, unheard you know, of. Because- I, I, I've been to uh, Sun Records out in, in Memphis, and I know they have a the, the studio, and you see pictures of people uh, that the whole band sets up and plays. Yeah, that's how I record. I know I rehearse the band. You know, I yeah, make sure the band is super tight when we go in, and we just we just go for it. And that's how I make records. And then uh, the only thing I really do overdub are my vocal lines. And then sometimes I even keep the you know the scratch vocals. It depends, you know. But I record the old way, you know, the way records were made in the beginning. And I, because when I do go out and play live, I want to sound exactly like the, that record. Well, you know, you I don't want to sound, yeah. you know, I don't want to uh, sit there and layer eight or nine, you know, uh, you know, four or five rhythm guitar parts and three leads and two harmony tracks and, and go out and play, you know, it wouldn't sound like that. So my, my records sound like what I sound like live. And that's what I try to capture. So when people do buy my product, they're, they're basically getting a real deal. You know, I think you're a smart man, Jay Gordon. <laughs> it seems like uh, if you play exactly what you play, if you do it that way, you're going to be able to play exactly how the how you heard it or pretty closely to how you heard it on the album. Yeah, and yeah the, the exactly. fans like to sing you know, along. So, yeah, exactly. So that's that's why I make records anyway. You know, but I've made records in, in many different formats, in many different situations with other people where. I've just been like, uh, you know, uh, uh, what would you say, uh, a highlighted guitar player on someone else's record. You know, somebody wanted me to play on their tracks and everything was pre-recorded and I just go in and play my own track to their record. I've done stuff like that too. So not only, not only the front man, not only the front man of your own bands, but also a hired gun. (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, when, when I'm asked and when I, when I, the only time I've done that is. I, I really have to believe in what those other people are recording. You know what I mean? I just I just don't do it for the money. You know, like a few people would call me and they go, Jay, would you like to plan this track? And I'd go, well, send me your music, you know, because it's got to hit me first before I, you know, want to get even involved in it. You know, I got to appreciate what they're doing and I got to love it as much as what I love what I do. And then I, I love doing that with other people and I love other people's stuff, you know. Jay Gordon, you're you're teaching you're teaching people how, how to do it, man. Just to and doing it right. Now you say you've been doing this your whole life. Uh, when did you start playing music, and was guitar the first instrument? And and who got who turned you on to to music anyway? Well, actually, um, I come from a pretty musical family, but 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 it was it was mainly my grandmother. My grandmother played uh, piano on Hammond B three. And she played uh, in churches. She played a lot of gospel music, and then she played a lot of jazz. And a lot of blues. She was into gospel, jazz, and blues. So ever since I can remember, you know, there was a piano around. So I guess I started banging on that before I got a guitar. You know, so I was always fooling around with a piano and picking things out. And she was showing me. By the time I was five or six, I was banging on a piano. And then, um, really, when I was nine, um, I got a guitar. I know I asked for a guitar, and uh, they got me a guitar. Who's and they? Then, um, 
I started uh, my grandmother and my mother. No kidding. Uh, got me a guitar. You know, they, they they knew it was in me because that's all I did. That's all they wanted to do. Even when I was a young guy, I just wanted to play music. So they knew that. You so remember, I started playing did, guitar. Did you remember what kind of guitar it was? Yeah, actually, yeah, it was um, uh, uh, a silver tone from Sears. Electric? Electric guitar, yeah, it was a silver tone. Wow, you started on electric, excellent. And then I had an acoustic guitar, but I played slide, I played slide guitar for like 10 years, and I used to just um, try to emulate the old blues guys, because my grandmother, you know, was really into the blues and jazz and gospel, so I started to emulate, you know, like uh, Lightning Hopkins, uh, Sunhouse, Robert Johnson, you know, the Mississippi Delta guys, you know. And then, so for about 10 years, I really just played in open tunings. Like I would tune the guitar to open G, open E, open A, open D, and stuff like they would. And then, you know, I, my grandmother, she said to me, she says, well, you're kind of stuck in a box there, you know. She says, you've been doing that a long time, you know. So I tuned the guitar to 440, and that's when I tuned the 440 concert pitch. And then I started playing, as I say, guitar the right way, you know what I mean? I mean, so it's not the wrong way or the right way. It's just, you know, you could play much more when the guitar is tuned to 440 than you can play in open chords. It's a whole different thing. But 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 it's all good, you know? I mean, music is music. And when it's good, it's good. When, when the music is good, it's good. And when it's not, the one thing I really love about music is it's the only thing in the world that don't lie to you. See, music doesn't lie to you. You know, I mean, when it's good, you know it's good because it sounds good. And when it's when it sounds good, it's right. You know, you can hear when you're playing out of key. You can hear when you're singing off key. So that's what I mean when music does not lie to you. I think it's the most perfect language on the planet. Jay Gordon, brings people together. When you were explaining that tuning of the guitar, I, I understood about three of those words, but they were fascinating. <laughs> the, the explanation is fascinating. I have three guitars. Uh, well, yeah, I have three, two electric guitars and one acoustic guitar. I can't, I can't hardly play a lick, but I'm fascinated by watching your fingers move while you're while you're playing this guitar. Oh, thank you. I mean the latest uh, the latest video, the one that's featured on your on your website, of course, is the the Crossroads video, and it's you and and your girls out the side. I don't I don't know uh, who the drummer is. I guess you could shout out the band out there. Yeah, that was um, on the Crossroads video. That, that that that's Rick Daly playing drums. His name is Rick Daly. He's played on quite a few albums with me. We go back about twenty years. Rick's played them on you know maybe five or six different albums on different tracks and that's Sharon Butcher playing bass and that's me on guitar. And, uh, yeah, that, and, uh, that, that was actually recorded by the Gretsch guitar company. You know, I'm endorsed by Gretsch guitars. I notice you're playing a Gretsch, man. I, I spent a lot of time in, in guitar center and, and I, I'm fat. I, I like the Gretsch. I know, uh, who is it? The stray cats play, uh, play the, the Gretsch, yeah. right? And is this, is it yeah, the Brian, same kind of guitar? Uh, yeah, Brian, Brian Setzer? Yeah, Brian. Yeah, Brian Setzer. Yeah, he's a Gretsch guy too. Yeah, I like Brian's playing. You know, I like I, 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 I like I well, like the rockabilly thing. You know? Definitely like the rockabilly, but you but you can get a, a a lot more blues feel out of the Gretsch. What what made you choose Gretsch out of all the guitars in, in the whole wide world? What made you choose Gretsch? Well, I I, I, I played Scratch for a long time. You know, I did have an endorsement with Fender for for, for a while, and uh, when I first started playing, I told you I had that um, you know that. That, that weird guitar from Sears, a silver tone. But back then, I thought that was it, you know. Yeah. But anyway, throughout the years, I wound up, I, you know, Gibson was actually my favorite guitars in the beginning. I played Gibson Firebirds and Gibson Les Pauls. 
religiously. I had Firebirds and those balls. Classic and guitar. And then a lot of my stuff was a lot. A lot of those guitars got stolen Hello? a long time ago. Called Mason Prophet. This goes back a long time ago. He gave me a Strat when my stuff was stolen, and I had that Strat for years. And then I started playing Strats, and that's all I played was Strats, 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 and Gibsons. And about three years ago, I was at the NAMM show. And um, I was coming out of the Fender booth, and uh, you know, I met the Gretsch people, and I went in there, and uh, hey, Jay, what's happening? And you know, we kind of got acquainted, and I started playing a lot of the new models of the Gretsch, and I really liked the tone and the feel and the sound. And then, uh, you know, we just kind of started working together. So for the last three, three and a half years, I've been a Gretsch guy, and uh, you know, uh, I live, eat, and breathe Gretsch guitars now. You know. Well, that says a lot about your musicianship when when a guitar company, you know, such as Gritch, Gretsch or even Fender, uh, just put, uh, puts their puts their guitar in your hands because they feel, hey, if it's in your hands and in, in the hands of a of a true musician, they're going to sell more guitars, and I feel that to be true, man. <laughs> so, so anyway, you know, when, back to when I was nine, when yeah. I, you know, started on, on the guitar, you know, I I played piano too. But uh, I also played drums and bass. My, my, my whole basement was a, like, like a music store. You know, like like every week I wanted another instrument when I was a kid. I think I drove my 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 parents crazy, but they were very supportive of me, especially my grandmother. My grandmother was the one who really enjoyed um, me being in the music. My mother was a painter. She was an artist. She had a degree in art. She painted and. Uh, you know, she, she was an incredible artist, but that was her trip, you know. And, uh, but the granny was uh, the musician and singer, and she had a beautiful voice. And then her, the three daughters, I guess, they used to uh, sing together on radio. My grandma would play, and then with the three daughters she had, they would sing, and she told me all about that. But I, you know, I played drums, I had a drum kit down there, so I was always banging on drums. And then I had a bass, I, I had a piano, I had a Hammond. Uh, I tried, you know, I, I, I had an alto sax for a long time. I played alto, I played flute, uh, you know, and uh, violin. I tried, I, I wish I would have, uh, you know, kept up with that violin, dude. But yeah. uh, it just didn't, it, it didn't feel right to me. So out of all <laughs> the in instruments that I, you know, did have, you know, the guitar was my voice. I always felt comfortable on the guitar. So that, that, that's my main instrument. My, that's my, you know, that's me, you know. <clears throat> but I, I, when I was younger, I was in bands where I actually, uh, I was in bands where, you know, I played drums, I played bass, I played guitar, and we'd switch, you know. I had a lot of bands where everybody was multi-talented, and we would do that. Now, and, did you uh, ever switch in the middle of a performance? Were you, <clears throat> you slid yeah, over one? No way. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, <laughs> I was just, uh, <clears throat> when I was thirteen. Yeah, I got my first. I got my first little record deal when I was thirteen in no Chicago. Kidding. Yeah, with a little small record label. They used to have these battle of the bands, and I was in a band. I was thirteen, and uh, we had a band called the Strays. <laughs> and these other guys were like nineteen and twenty. They were much older than me, you know. They had, which was cool. They had driver's licenses and girlfriends, and <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, I was thirteen. You know, I was with all these guys. You know, so we had a band, and we uh, we re rehearse, you know, five six days a week, you know, in uh, my basement. And then uh, it was at McCormick Place in Chicago when we did this big talent contest, and we won like third place. 
out of like thousands of bands, you know. And I was a kid, you know, it was, it was, it was incredible. And so we got this little record deal. So we went in and we cut a single in. That was the first time I went into the studio when I was 13. And uh, I'll never forget that. And then I was, I got so involved in the recording process, being in the studio when you got young, you know, I didn't know shit, really. I didn't know nothing. And it was just, it was like, you know, it was like being, uh, you know, in a rocket ship, you know. Yeah, but do you do you remember what song that was and who put that song together? Who wrote it? Yeah, uh, I was in a band. Uh, the lead singer, uh, he sang it. His name, his name is James Merrill. And uh, he was an incredible guitar player and singer and songwriter. And he was an artist also. He painted. I mean, just an amazing, talented uh, person. And uh, his cousin, Corman, was in that band. And then we had a a Chinese bass player, Thomas Ng, and his family owned a laundry. <laughs> it was weird. But it was, it was cool. Typical it was just cool <laughs> I mean, it was, yeah, it was, that's what I'm saying. It was cool. I mean, and, cool. And, that band, that, and, and that band lasted, you know, for about three or four years. And then, um, then I started playing with a lot of blues, really, you know, like major Chicago blues artists when I was like 16, 17, 18, because my grandmother would take me to all the blues clubs on the South Side. And, you know, I met Muddy Waters and Willie Dixon and Buddy Guy and Junior Wells and Edward James and Johnny Silver Dollar and Lefty Giz and, you know, Luther Allison and the list goes on and on, you know. So I, the first blues gig I did was with a guy named Andrew Blue Blood McMahon. What a name, huh? That's a great name. That's yeah, great. As I said, what a name. Andrew Blue Blood McMahon. Now, he was originally the bass player in Howlin' Wolf's band. You know Howlin' Wolf? Howlin' Wolf, yeah. Yeah, so he went on his own, and then that was the first blues gig I did up in Carbondale, Illinois, at this college. And it was, um, it was, it was amazing, dude. It was just, but that's how I got into it, you know? Uh, listening, you know, my grandma was in the blues and jazz, and then she would take me to all these places, and then I started meeting all these legends when I was a kid, you know? Oh, my goodness. You were brushing with greatness. Then it just just progressed from there, you know? Things just progressed. And then I wound up, you know, doing, uh, I was on a a label called Wooden Nickel Records. You know, Styx was on that label. Uh, Ario Speedwagon. uh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, no, Ohio Players, Styx, um, a Seagull Schwall Blues Band. Uh, You know, Styx was a big independent label out of Chicago. They were huge, you know? Styx was fantastic. I wound up, you know, when I was 16 or 17, recording on Wooden Nickel with a lot of other bands that I was in. And then, uh, you know, I just kept writing and singing. I'll tell you an interesting story. Um, you know, like when you're young, with a kid like that, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, even 18, 19, 20 years old, you, um, you know, the blues was always my, uh, was always my favorite music. I mean, because it, um, it's the true foundation of all American music. Yeah. And I, I, well, I kind of, I, I felt that when I was a young man, I, I, I knew that this music, uh, if it wasn't for the blues, there wouldn't have been no rock music, there wouldn't have been no metal, there wouldn't have been no country, you know, nothing. I mean, that's the, that's the, uh, the most important music in America is the blues because everything else comes from it. You know, all the other forms of American music comes from the blues. So when I was young like that, most white kids, you know, uh, like myself, you know, they did. You know, oh, I don't want to play that music. You know, I'm not interested in that. You know, you know, what what do you see in that music? You know, 
So I wound up playing in a lot of cover bands, you know, Beatles, you know, rock bands. I was, you know, I was in a lot of rock and roll bands, cover bands, you know, and I didn't really want to do that because I just, one time, uh, I, I locked myself in a room for about a year and I learned every note for note, lick for lick of the first Johnny Winter album. <laughs> and so, you know, you know Johnny Winter, the first uh, progressive blues experiment record. And, uh, you know, I just love Johnny, you know, and, uh, that's so funny. Like he came up yesterday in my family. There was an albino up on up on the uh, the big screen, and I said, "Hey, he looks mm-hmm. like Johnny Winter." <laughs> well, anyway, so I was a big Johnny Winter nut, you know, the biggest in the world. I thought. So I locked myself in that room, and I learned note for note, song for song, everything. And I told my grandmother, I said, "Hey, Granny," I said, "Hey, hey, come here, man. I want to play something for you." So I turned put the turntable on, and <clears throat> I played. She sat there, and I played the whole record. And she told me, after my, I was done, she told me, well, that's pretty good, kid, but you sound like bird shit. Aww. And I said, I said, what do you mean? I said, what do you mean? That's pretty good. She said, no, Jay, now you're a clone. She said, you got a problem. And I said, really? And she said, listen, it's okay to steal from people and borrow segments. You know, when you hear something, you know, you, everybody rips everybody off to a certain point. You know, like when you're first, you know, learning, when you hear something you like, you go, oh, shit, I got to learn it. How did you do that? You know, so you learn that lick, you know. <laughs> but anyway, um, that's when she told me, she says, hey, uh, if you ever want to make a statement in music, she said, you've been doing this for a while. She said, just, just write your own music and be your own guy, find your own voice. And don't, and don't be concerned with what anyone else is doing with music. Find your own voice and create your own thing with it. And that's the only way you're going to be something in in the field of music. So uh, I just started writing and writing and writing and writing and writing. And then all of a sudden, I was never in cover bands no more. I always had original bands. And I just did my thing. You know, I just wrote the tunes. And, and uh, that's what I've been doing ever since. But so what, now, year, what year was this? And when was the turning point? What, what year what well, did you start writing? Oh, shit. I don't want to tell you that. Oh, come on. I'm 51 look, years old. I'm not worried about my age anymore. Hey, <laughs> I, I look good. Hey, I'm 178, but I look impeccable. <laughs> no, no, no. But anyway, no, it, I started really writing when I was 13. Yeah. You know, I, I, I really did start writing. You know, even, even when I started playing at nine, I would come up with little things. But when I really got serious about writing songs, I, I say I was about 17. And, um, wow. You know, I started going in a studio called Paragon Studios in Chicago and Inter- Enterprise. And those two studios became my professional home. And, um, you know, I just, I, I always had bands and uh, I was always doing demos and doing everything, you know. I mean, just constantly. I spent a lot of money dude. when I was a kid, you know, I just thousands and thousands. I still, I'm still sitting on four, four albums that the world's never heard that I recorded in 19, from, from, holy shit, I hate it. Yeah, it seems like yesterday, but I'd say from 75 to 80, I got stuff the world's, I mean, I got about four albums that nobody's heard. Man, you got stuff from way back in the 1900s? <laughs> oh pe- yeah, the yeah. people got to hear that stuff, man. I'm, I'm sure it's good. Yeah. You you took but, the time you know, to lay it down, put it out there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I got I got a I got a, a lot of good, uh, uh, you know, I, I've written some great stuff, you know, but I've trashed a lot too, you know. I, I, I it's like when I do albums even to this day, you know, like 
all the albums I've done, I'm, I'm very proud of, of the work I've done because I don't, I don't think I ever really made a bad album, you know, because that's what was happening in that time and that's how I felt. And uh, when I didn't like a track, I'd take it off. I didn't just want to make records with fillers on it, you know. Way too many records are made like that. Way too many albums are, are made like that where, you you know, you go out and spend $15, $16 on an album and there was maybe two good songs and the rest of it was like, what? the heck's going on here yeah I mean, probably the experience that. so, so I, I i always wanted albums to have a lot of content and i wanted them to flow to where they fit together you know to where it was like the it's like where you had a blank canvas and you filled it in and uh, you know you you know it all made sense you know well it i mean i remember yeah, I, I, I remember buying records that's for sure and and getting one uh, one good track or two good tracks and I think that's what the, the record companies want. They want you to put out a single or two and whatever else. Hey, I, I need you to well, fill in the this out. It was, you know, like in, in the beginning, it was all about the singles. And then, yeah. and then when FM radio hit, it was like album concept. You know, it was like, oh, let's do a concept album. Right. You know, so then it was, it, you know, which I miss those days, you know. Oh, so, of course, man. With the, uh, getting I mean, a big you know, record, it, it, looking it, it, at the liner notes. While you're listening to that oh, yeah, thing, it's yeah. beautiful. I, I miss, I miss that, you know. I, you know, but the thing is, I, I did this interview, I don't know, about a month ago, uh-huh. and we started talking about how music has changed with the digital age and this and that, and it got way out of hand, you know, because there's pros and cons about everything. So if if I were to think, even though I particularly don't care the way things are going, like you know, you know, since '99, you know, since Napster and everything went digital, and you know, I think that. The record industry kind of got completely screwed. I don't know what you think, but it's, you know, it just happened. You know, things happen. You know, things grow. You know, things change. Nothing stays the same. So the thing is, you got to go with the flow, bro. Oh, yeah. It made the creator more creative. You know, yes, you're not making a lot yeah, of money so, on records so, anymore. So, <laughs> no, no. And, you know, and I missed that. Yeah. You know, I used to put out albums and I had big distribution through Tower and Virgin, you know, the Virgin Mega Stores and Tower. Sure. My music was on all the listening posts. You know, I'd go into a Tower Records and I could see my stuff right there. And you know, you could, you know, Jay Gordon. You know, people could just put the phones on and listen to it right there. And if they like it, you know, bang. You know, you, you know, I, I sold lots and lots and lots of units back then. You know, yeah. more units back then than now because people don't really buy physical product like they used to you know things are you know the industry is different but i'm not going to sing the blues about it because you got to go with the flow and you got to uh you know i'm not going to sit here you have to re- reinvigorate not reinvent but you have to there's always new things to try and you know there's always a way to get your stuff out there so, you know, so you how have to, you changed how have you adapted I, I noticed that you put your stuff on youtube out there so digitally well, my, uh, how have you? Yeah, my, you know, well, you know, my main thing is live performances still mm. to this day. You know, that's what I like to do. But I, but you know, I find myself always tweeting, emailing, putting my stuff on blues groups, and you know, before I never did that. I, I, you know, I knew that. <laughs> twenty that, years ago, that was seen, unheard of. It, what's a tweet? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, so, so it's all new to me too. You know, so I'm like. But I'm kind of having fun with it, you know. Yeah. You know, you know, I look at it like, hey, you know, this is cool. It's all right. And you know, the internet is powerful. You can reach anybody. So I mean, there's, there's, you know, I love it. You know, 
you know, it is what it is. And, and do you have your but fans anyway, that respond to you? And, and do you respond to your fans as well? I try to get back to as many people as possible. But sometimes I get so many emails, I can't get back <laughs> to everybody. But, but I tried, you know, I mean, I've been all over the world. You know, I was on a, I was on a French record label for a while. And, uh, you know, from 2000, I think it was 2000 to 2006, you know, I would go to, to France, Switzerland, Amsterdam, Germany. I was on, I was on a French record label and I did really good in the European uh, market. And, you know, like I said, you know, things happen and everything comes to a, a halt. And, uh, you know, we, the guy who ran this label, we, we did really well together. And then all of a sudden, you know, something happened, you know, but in my book and in the movie that I am, I'm doing, I'm putting a, uh, together, you know, not myself, with the help of some other people that, that, that do it the right way. We're going to do a whole documentary of my world in the music industry. And it's going to talk about, you know, kind of like how it started, uh, where it went, and how I hung in there so long, you know. And uh, most people I know fell by the wayside, you know, because it's, um, it's a tough business. The music industry is tough, you know. Jay Gordon, is this going to be a biopic or a documentary? It's a documentary of uh, my okay. whole life about who I've played with, uh, labels labels I've been on, deals that I had that would have been astronomically huge, but I didn't do it because I didn't want to give away my publishing, stuff like that. You know, it's, it's, it's who I was around, who I played with, different artists, all the great people who I had a chance to be around in life and, you know, the good things and the bad things. I'm just let it all fly, you know. That's I'm fantastic, gonna, you know, man, to have a story of your life I, out there. Who's putting that, I think who's helping you put that together? Um, well, my old manager, uh, the guy's name is Lawrence Smith. Mm. Now, Lawrence, uh, he did all the videos for the Doors on Warner Brothers. You know, yeah. Bruce Botnick produced the Doors and their music, but Lawrence Smith was involved with a show called Hollywood Heartbeat. He was, you know, he did stuff with Dick Clark, and then he did all the videos on Warner's for the Doors. And he was my manager uh, from like '97 to 2001, and then we just stopped. Then, you know, I'm not going to tell you why. No, no the, problem. The Things happen. <laughs> but, but the funny thing is, <clears throat> we didn't talk for 19 years. Yeah. And uh, a couple of months ago, Lawrence and I talked. And, uh, you know, so we're, we're going to put this thing together and it's going to be, it's going to be great, man. I'm looking forward to it. Sometimes it's nice to reconnect with people. And does he have a lot of video from, uh, back in the day from, from when you were doing things? Oh uh, yeah. He's got, um, quite a bit of footage and I have, you know, the, the, the bummer thing is I've had footage from the seventies, you know, late seventies all the way to now. And a lot of that stuff, because I moved. And things happened, and a lot of stuff got kind of ripped off uh, from me. You know, a lot of, you know, a, a lot of footage. So there's a lot of footage out there. If somebody has, but I still have a lot from the '80s all the way up to now. So the documentary will be footage, pictures, uh, myself talking, and then people out that are still alive that have worked with me will be in it. It'll be interesting, you know. It's not just about me; it's about people I work with, also, you know. So you got to give everybody their kudos, you know. Absolutely, you got to give credit where credit is due. I know you have yeah, brushes with greatness, and the one the one thing that I'm taking so far is your grandma was a wonderful lady, man. Oh, if it wasn't for her, I, I you know, I wouldn't. I don't know what would have happened to me. 
because she was um she was like a rock to me you know i you know i've had a crazy life and uh, but um you know she was always doing your best you know stay kind of straight and narrow just focus do your thing and uh, she always told me i was no good even when i was good you know, <laughs> she, that that was her that was her way of pushing me you know she would say ah no you can play that better you can play that a lot better you go back in there you know wow so she pushed me she pushed me. She would tell me, like I said, that word bird shit. You know, she would always tell me, yeah, sound like bird shit, kid. Even, even when I did sound good, she'd tell me that. She goes, you know, hey, now, you know, you need more notes. You need more chops. You know, go back in. Go back in the woodshed. So she, she really, she was a great woman. She sang great and she was focused and she was uh, spiritually intact. You know, she was very comfortable with who she was as a person in life. And, uh, yeah, I miss her. I, you know, she she was great. She okay. was fabulous. Well, between having her and living in the Chicago area, you could you couldn't do anything else but be uh, in the into the blues. <laughs> you know, yes, you played a little rock, you played a little little this, a little that, but the blues. Well, man, I'll, I'll tell you. Well, I played a lot of rock, but you know, the blues was my main. It's still my main thing, but I mix rock with it. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, you can see them. You know, I I try to show the marriage between blues and rock. You know, I try to take it a little further outside the box. Right, you don't want to put yourself in a little box anyway. You, you, you want to be able no, to play, all. So, play anything you want. Yeah, you know, if I want to, if I want to play jazz riffs, there I will. You know, you know, you, you know it's kind of like, a, you know, it's like a gumbo. You know, a little bit of everything. But anyway, when I was a, it was funny because in the documentary, yeah. I'm going to talk about my relationship with the band Black Sabbath, which is very, very interesting, and. Um, uh, it's very interesting story. Let well, me tell you. Give a little taste. I acquired, I I, I acquired Tony Iommi's guitar in the seventies, in the late seventies, and uh, I bought it on the black market in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know it, that was a nineteen sixty four Gibson SG, strung left handed, and it had John Birchman pickups on it. It had a little monkey playing a fiddle. So, but anyway, it, it, it was the authentic guitar. So I'm going to tell people how I acquired it, and I returned it to Tony personally. Wow. You know, I that, that, that guitar sat in my closet for a year and a half after I purchased it. My mother goes, "What? You know, what are you doing with that guitar?" Uh, I said, "Well, it's stolen. This is a stolen guitar." And she says, "What are you going to do with it?" I said, "I'm going to return it." And I said, "If my stuff was stolen, I'd want it back." So the story starts how I bought it, how I returned it, how I had it for a year and a half, and then uh, how I got involved with Warner Brothers. Ron Goldstein was the president at the time. And then uh, Mark Forster was the guy who actually managed Black Sabbath back then. And he also managed Dave Clark Five and Fatula Clark. And uh, me and him, we built up this rapport. We built up this friendship for a year and a half on the telephone. And he kept telling me, hey, send the guitar back to St. John Woods, London. I said, no, I'm going to return it to you when you come to the States. And I said, I don't even want my money back for the guitar. I paid five hundred dollars. I don't even want the five hundred dollars back. I just want to meet the band and meet you. And uh, so the, the rest of the story is pretty incredible. Yeah. How I returned it. It's. I mean, it goes into a lot of stuff, and the world's gonna find out a lot of cool stuff about that story. I'm sure Mr. Iomi yeah. was very appreciative to get his guitar back. Yeah. You held it a little hostage. You, you, you had. You wanted to meet the band first. And that's just a small price well, to no, pay. No, no, what it no was, big was, deal. I, you know, I, I, I did want to, you know, 
the record company Warner's goes, well, just send it here. I said, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and all these phone conversations were taped, see? So I still got them. You know, I had a little tape recorder and I suction, put a suction cup on my phone. And I even called up uh, Lloyd's of London and told them I had contraband in the United States and it don't belong here. Um, you know, I want, I want you guys to know that I got it, you know. Yeah. But I'm not going to return it this way. Else. So what happened was I did a personal showcase for Sabbath and uh, I had a great rock and roll band then and uh, was writing great songs and I rented a big studio called SIR Studios and uh, they came down and I gave his guitar back and the guy was flabbergasted. He actually broke down in tears, you know. Oh, how sweet and, is uh, that? And then, and, I mean, he was, you know, so I met the whole band and we played 90 minutes and then the PA system blew up and uh, <laughs> it, it was it was weird, you know, the PA blew up after about 85 minutes. And then I gave him, you know, I gave him the guitar back. And the whole, you know, the whole band was there. And then the, then the manager, and then I, I went to their show, the International Amphitheater, for two nights in a row. So all this stuff is in there. Fantastic. But it's, it, it, there's a lot more that happened that the world needs to know. Man, and I gotta, I gotta, I gotta be very diplomatic of, of how I tell the, the story. And I have all the pictures of me with the guitar. I have all the letters from Warners and I have the letters from their attorney and their management company. And it's, 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 uh, I told the story to a friend of mine who runs the rock and roll, a uh, walk of fame in Hollywood. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like guitar center there. Well, Iomi's on and, that uh, walk of fame. <laughs> yeah. Well, I told it, I told the story, my, my buddy, Dave Weiderman ran that place and I told him the story and he wrote like a 30 page synopsis because he thinks it should be a motion picture because it's part of rock and roll history. And he yeah. says, Jay, you're part of rock and roll history, brother. And he says this, and, but, but there's a lot in, in that story. You know, there's a lot of black magic. There's a lot of voodoo, <laughs> a lot of drugs. There's a lot of, you know, you know, rock and roll back then, brother. There's a lot of shit. It's a great story. And that's, I'm, I'm going to cut, I'm going to stop right now. Anyway, <laughs> and that's just a little taste for us right here, man. That's just, a little taste, but, but it's all true. It's oh my goodness, Jay Gordon, I'm looking you know forward to seeing that. Uh, I want to see it but on that's my. Another thing. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. You know, that's a, that, that's another. You know, that's part of the documentary, and then with with everybody I worked with, and there's going to be some cool stories. I mean, you know, some funny, a lot of you know, a lot of funny things happen in the music business. You know, man, I like hearing cool stories, and I've talked to some musicians from the 70s and, and 80s and, I, and you know 86 is when i graduated high school so that's that's where my uh my area of expertise but even before that of course my mom and dad teaching me how to you know about music and and different things but uh oh yeah know, i gotta i gotta, I gotta love the blues me, you know yeah, you know like i you know i got the new record slide rules right my new album came out last november hey all right november 15th I, and that was called slide rules and that record did really good. You know, and I had Frank Rozak. Uh, he, he did radio and publicity for me. Frank, he's a good man. He really knows what he's doing. And I got tons of airplay. If you go to my website, bluesvenom.com, and you go to media, and you punch radio right above media, you'll see all the stations. And there's hundreds. I'm seeing hundreds. it. There's a list. There must be. Long. Yeah, there must be there must be over a thousand stations on there that that record has been played on internationally, and I got really good positive reviews. I think I'm batting batting about ninety eight, ninety nine percent as far as positive reviews on the record. But you know, you can't please everybody, even when you got it together. You know. Oh yeah, there's always. I'm not, every, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. You know, <laughs> not everybody digs it. 
not everybody digs the Stones, not everybody digs Hendrix or the Beatles. You know, music is very subjective to one's own ear, you know. So, but the people that dig my stuff, you know, I, I play for the fans, you know. I became like a cult, of, 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 you know, I don't know if I should use that word, but, you know, more underground cult guitar player. I mean, you know, a lot of people know who I am. Millions of people heard my music. Yeah, you've got a following. I had a gentleman from California ask me uh, about this this particular interview, this conversation that we're having right now, uh, where can he hear it? And I said, oh, I'm going to record it, and then I'm going to put it out about an hour or two afterwards. Don't worry. It'll be out tonight. <laughs> but, you know, the whole thing is, you know, like, to, to get back to the music, you know, cause sometimes sometimes when, I'm, when we're doing uh, reviews, you never really know what somebody's going to ask me, you know. And, um, you know, I try not to talk about the politics or the religion or, you know, anything. I, you know, it's all music. You know, I'm, I'm a very positive guy. And, uh, you know, I love what I do. And I love what a lot of other people do. You know, when I hear something that I like that someone else is doing, I go, oh, who's that? You know, because, uh, you know, there's there's room for everybody. You know, there's room for everybody. And uh, we're all in this together. You know? that, 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 that's my opinion. Well, we're, you know, we're yeah. all on this planet. I mean, we're all connected, whether whether you like it or not. We're all connected by the you know by the cre you know by the by the creation, bro. And that's why music is so powerful. Music brings everybody together from all walks of life, no, no matter what color you are, no matter what you do. To it. You know, music is. I think it's pretty intellectual. The majority of it is even even blues, brother. A lot of cats go, well, you know, you know, we're playing, you know, that that, that twelve bar stuff. But uh, let me tell you, blues. The format may be simple, some of it, but you have to be a really good cook to make it sound interesting. Oh yeah, I like a good stop blues. Be, That's my favorite. I mean, you you, you really got to be a good cook, and what I mean by that, you know, you. you, you you got to have chops and you got to know where to place and what not to play, when to play. And that, you know, you can't teach people that, you know, like pe people have asked me, they go, Hey Jay, can you show me, you know, how to do that? And I go, well, I give you an idea, but you know, it's never going to sound like me. Just like, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'll never sound, I mean, realistically, if, if I copied a BB King solo to the T, it still wouldn't sound like BB. You're just playing the notes, but the, but the passion and the feeling you're not that man. So that's what's so important, you know, for people out there, younger players or even older players or, you know, intermediate players or, or guys that just are weekend warriors, you know? Well, you've been on stage with B.B. King and Lucille. Uh, how did that feel? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I knew, I, 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 well, you know, I've been around everybody, you know, B.B. King, Buddy Guy, Junior Wells, you know, Clampton, um, you name it. I mean, you know, I've been there, you know. But, but the point of it is, you know, hey, you, you got to be your own guy with this thing, you know. You got to have your own voice, and if you really believe in what you do, you you know you're addicted, and you just you know me. I'm gonna do this forever, you know. Whether I make a fortune at it, and I've done pretty well, and I've done you know up and down. Music is up and down. Life is up and down. That's what makes that's what makes life interesting. It's a journey. Everybody has a journey, you know. And I'm one of these guys. Even when my journey has been at the worst. I've always looked at the, I've always looked at the, the better side of the outcome because I've learned from the negative things and I've learned from my mistakes. And so the negative and the positive is like yin and yang. It's a balance. So that's that's how I look at just my life in general and, and even other people's lives. And look what's going on today. You know, that's a whole other story. And if we get into that, you'd be on the phone with me for ten hours. I got ten hours. 
Go for it. How but, um, how I, has this you know, novel COVID nineteen coronavirus affected you, Jay Gordon? I don't let it affect me. You know, it, it it affects the world in a negative manner, and I feel I feel bad for the world. And I somehow, some way, I would really like to see the world heal itself and have people not so freaked out with something that may not be as bad as it appears to be. Well, in some respects, the, the world is definitely healing because of this. People aren't going to parks, so guess what? There's more animals oh, yeah. out there at the parks. The the, the, the place right, is being yeah, overgrown. You know, <laughs> the air is what clean. I'm you, what I'm saying to you is it's it's terrible. So, you know, I mean, I just, it's, it's horrible, yeah. what, you know, what happened. But it, 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 it affected me as far as a live performances and live shows, yeah. You know, because I, I was working on a, a big European tour, and about two weeks before... This thing really got blown out, you know, proportion or, you know, I hope that I hope that history shows that we've we we went too far. Okay, with the only reason we're really scared of it, we don't have a cure. That's that's yeah, yeah, yeah. We just don't, you know, we don't know what it is. We, you know, I mean, you know, you hear one thing, you hear another thing, you hear another thing. So you you got to really do your research on it to really grasp it and feel it. I think you know so. It's, but 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 it's 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 sad. The whole thing is sad. You know, I, I don't like to see the world feeling uptight. You know, I, you know. But, but it is what it is, and I'm sure it's going to get better no matter what happens. Like I said, even from the negative things, you always learn something from from anything negative. And uh, you know, well, I, I, mean, stay, I th- try to stay now. Now that you haven't been able to go out on that tour, that European tour, how has it changed you creatively? Are you one of these people that are doing the online? Uh, no, no, see, no, I don't, no, I, I haven't done that. I, okay. You know, I, 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 I did not do that. I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that and go, you know, uh, you know, I just, it wasn't for me. I, 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 I could do that. You know, everybody asked me, Jay, you know, how come you're not doing that? I'm going because I just don't want to, you know, because to me it's, it's, um, I like, you know, I like playing in front of people. I like the energy, bro. I oh, like yeah. the energy. I like, I like people. See, I'm a people person, so I like to play live. But I, I did not post anything from my house, me singing, playing, or anything like that. I didn't. And people ask me all the time to do it. And I go, well, maybe I'll get to it, you know. Well, hopefully, but, at least, um, you you know, with this that you're doing right now, uh, you know, people are going to remember, hey, uh, you know, hey, what whatever happened to Jay Gordon? Oh, he's still out there. He's still doing stuff. Well, and, I'm, you know. see, see I'm, I'm still out there because I'm getting a lot of airplay all over the world. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, you, you know, got to touch I'm base. Inter- and, yeah. I'm doing inter- and, 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 and I'm very blessed to be on the phone with you doing this interview. Yeah, every- but I haven't really posted anything. I, I mean, thought about getting a band together and playing and all that. And I told you know, you know, I'm not going to do that. Or at least so you and Sharon just sit on the couch and and, and uh, you know tell the people that what you're up to, you know, or the, the touch base. Well, I, I I might do that. You know, I, I'll probably put something together like that. But uh, no, I play a lot of guitar, bro. You know, I don't really <laughs> go. I I go to the store or get gas or I got to do what I got to do. You know, you got to eat and. But I'm, 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 you know, I'm being very careful, you know, just like everyone else. Right. Right. But, but, um, I spend a lot of time playing guitar. I mean, you know, I'm always trying to take what I do a little further all the time. I'm always trying to learn new shit, come up with new riffs, come up with, you know, really tight signature riffs. And I'm always writing, coming up with lyrics. And, you know, I got, I got hundreds and hundreds of ideas for songs, you know. I never got writer's block or, you know, 
that's never happened to me. Somebody goes, oh, you know, hey, you know, I, 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 I can't, I, I don't understand how that can happen to anybody because there's so much going on in life. And there's always something to write about, you know? Yeah. There's always something to write about. You could write about your friends, your family, your dog, your fish. I mean, world issues. Uh, whatever you want to write, there's always something, you know? Well, have you set up a if little recording studio in your house that you're able to lay some tracks down or, you know, whatever no, whenever an idea no, comes I don't, up? I, don't, not, I just record my ideas on a, on a tape machine, you know? Yeah. You know, like, like a, you know, like a little cassette. I'll come up with a riff and I'll play that riff. I must have three or four or five hundred ideas just you know, sometimes I use the phone. I got little sections on phones. You know what I mean? Absolutely. As a creator, you definitely don't want to lose that stuff. So I'm you always, come up with a I'm great, always, yeah. Come yeah, up with a great I'm riff. Always, I hope you uh, can record it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I'm always recording, and I'm always coming up with songs. And uh, you know, my whole thing is music, bro. I mean, that's it. You know, I'm a very simple guy. You know, I just want to play guitar and write songs, and that's what I do. That's what I've been doing my whole life. That's that's the only enjoyment I, you know, that turns me on. You know. <laughs> It's exactly what you do. I mean, I watch your face while you're playing a guitar. You, you, you could feel right. it. I could feel the energy, but, the the concentration that you're putting into it when you play the guitar. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's an extension of you. It's a part of you. I, I can well, feel you. that. Thank oh, you. for sure. Well, that means I'm doing it right. If you see, that's what I'm saying. You know, the whole thing is to let other people understand and feel what you do. You know, if they don't feel what you're doing. Then it's it's not worth doing, you know. Oh yeah, and you got the look of a. So you know, so you know, but but other than um, other than music, you know, I like good films. I like good movies, you know. What are you watching these like, days uh, while you're locked up? I, I, I a lot of science fiction and and a lot of history channels. You know, I like science and history and older films that I dig. I go back and I kind of pull it out on the DVDs. And uh, I'm a big art buff, you know. I like I like good art, you know. Like I said, my mother was an artist, so so everything. My whole life is always been music, art, movies, music, art, movies, and I lo I love cars and motorcycles. Well, you couldn't help it, man. You got your your mom out there as an artist. And, uh, Where, where's all her and, stuff? You know, and and and, and good looking women. You know <laughs> what I mean? Well, I mean, you, you say your mom was an artist. What, what where's her stuff at? It. Does she have anything that, that I have that a, a lot of her stuff I have in storage oh. in Chicago. I got a lot of stuff there, and hopefully everything is still there. <laughs> but I, I have a lot of her artwork, and she, she was dynamite, man. Yeah, she Ooh. could she, she could paint she could paint anything. Let me tell you, if she saw your face for like one minute and you walked out of the room, she could draw you to the key. She was probably the best sketch artist I've ever I've ever seen in my life. That's amazing. I mean, that's how good she was at drawing. I mean, look at you once and she could draw you to the teeth. But, you know, she did a lot of avant-garde stuff. I mean, she could paint anything. She's still alive to futuristic art. To, you know, so whatever, you know, she predicted her, de her death, you know, and she painted a picture of her own life and her own death, you know, which was really bizarre. But I got, you know, it was un 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 unbelievable. That's some of that magic you were cool. talking about earlier. There's there's magic well, you know, all around you, man. I think life is magical, you know. Yeah. I, I I think you know. I mean, look at the human body you have. Look at the brain. I mean, everything you know, everything comes from nothing. Yeah. I mean, if, you if see that when you when you raise kids. I mean, do you have any kids? Uh, y yes, I do. Yeah. I mean, you, you see that? You, you, you there's something that came from nothing, and you watch them grow into people. Oh yeah, yeah. My my uh my one son, um, uh, you know, he's actually a filmmaker. Fantastic. And, um, 
we won't go any further than that. But he's he, he he's uh yeah he's made some decent films and uh, and my other guy is a drummer. That's great. That's great. And he's played on a couple. He's played he's played on a couple records of, of mine. You know. Next generation, so, yeah, man. Yeah, You've I, done it. <laughs> I got that, you know. So yeah, I know what it's like to have children, and I know what it's like to be married uh, unclean times. Yeah, but I'm saying it's magical, man. You you, you have this this no, thing I, that started yeah, from a little cell, and it, it became a person, <laughs> an upstanding a member of society, <laughs> and you made that. Thing. You helped make that wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's magic there. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, so, you know, like I, I, you know, life is magical, and you know, I believe, you know, I, as I said many times before, when you think positive and when you put out a good vibe into the world, good things happen for you. You know, if you're negative and you're on the dark side all the time, you know, that karma's going to hit you 10, 20 times worse, you know? So it's always cool to be nice and don't say nothing bad about nobody. So what got you, know, you out of Chicago, I find my, Yeah. Huh? I find my, I mean, I, you know, I, you know, I find myself sometimes doing interviews. I go, well, what do you think of so-and-so's music? Uh, what do you think of this guy or this guy? You know, <laughs> here's what I always tell people. Here's what I always tell people. Listen. I'm not inside that guy's soul. So even if I don't like what that person's doing, I, I really can't judge it. All I can do is give you an opinion. And I don't want to give you an opinion on someone else's work because that work he's done that I may not like may mean everything to him. Yeah. People don't put <laughs> something out there for no reason. <laughs> they want somebody yeah, to, so to appreciate it, just like you. Exactly. So, I mean, if, if you don't have nothing nice to say about somebody, don't say it. Just yeah. keep it, you know, keep, you know, you know, because I love a lot of cats out there that play music, man. There's a lot of great players, and I think there's going to be a lot of great upcoming younger people that are influenced by blues. And my mission is to keep the blues alive and to show the marriage between rock music and jazz and everything. So I'm on a mission, you know, me, myself, personally, I'm on a mission to really get not just my music out there, you know, just the blues and, and find, you know, so, a, a good song, man. I mean, uh, Mill Tillis once told me, you remember? Who stuttered while he talked, but he sang like an angel. Perfect. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, that guy. I was guy. in Nashville. I was in Nashville with him once. And uh, what, what's his daughter's name? Pam, Pam Tillis, right? Pam Tillis' daughter. Possibly. I don't know right off, yeah, but yeah. Pam Tillis, yeah, Pam, T- Pam Tillis' daughter. She's a country star. But I remember I was sitting in Mel's office and he told me one time, I was out there. Uh, actually, I was with him and Charlie Daniels. And uh, he, I, I had a bunch of songs and I was pitching songs. I, I write a lot of country music, too. I write, a, you know, a good song's a good song, man. You know, whether it's country, rock, blues, jazz, ballads, whatever. You know, if it has something to say, you know, hook, line, and sinker, and you can make other people feel it, that's what it's about. But he once told me, he says, you know, three chords in the truth says it all. That's beautiful, man. That's what he told me. (laughs) That's what he told me. And uh, it was weird because I think she was about five or six years old when she came into the room. And he told me, he goes, that's my daughter Pam. She's going to be a big star one day. And I said, yeah, I bet she will. But anyway... Like stories like that'll be in the book and in the film, you know, all the people I've been around, you know, from country music to blues players to rock players, to even some metal cats I know, you know. But uh Well, I think you just you, know, age, you just stuff. aged yourself. <laughs> I just what? You just aged yourself. <laughs> hey, I look good for hundred and eighty seven. That's what I told you. I look impeccable. You look or wonderful, you can or I, or or I can tell or I can tell people I'm twenty one, I just don't don't look good. Hey, so 
Man, what got it? What got you out of Chicago? I had a cold weather. I, I believe it. That's exactly what I was thinking, man. Because you no, ended up. Now, let, let me tell you something. I I love that town. Yes. From you know that, that's a great. Chicago's still my hometown, even though I don't live there. I consider Chicago my home. I mean, I I love that place, man. Yeah, I grew up there. It gave you a and it gave you, know, you I up, energy. I grew up. I grew up on a. I grew up on the south side. I grew up in a very integrated area. You know, a lot of Puerto Ricans, a lot of blacks, a lot of white, white whites, Polish, Italians. I mean, you name it, that was there. You know, I got along with everybody. You had to get along with everybody. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, then I moved, as I got older, I moved to the Northwest side, you know, it was all Italians and, you know, it was, it was just more of a white area, you know. But, um, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, the, the reason why I left Chicago. Uh-huh. Well, I, I never liked the cold weather, even when I was a kid, you know. I just couldn't stand the cold weather. I, I, I hated it. Every time, every time the winter time would come, I, I, I would hibernate like a bear, you know. <laughs> I just hated the cold weather. As a kid, you know, I just couldn't stand it. Yeah. But anyway, I came to California. Two reasons why I left. Mm-hmm. I was out here in 1978. I had to come out here to do some business. And then I loved it so much, I said, man, I'm going to move there. I loved I loved the West Coast and the weather. This is where it's at. <clears throat> so then, in '84, I, I I put out this single, and it was it was called TTJL, and it was a song I wrote. It was a tribute to John Lennon, oh. and it was weird because he was shot and gunned down in front of the Dakota Hotel in 1980. Correct? Yes. So anyway, I had this dream, and uh, this is in '84, the beginning of '84, and it was. Uh, yeah, and I had this dream, and I woke up in these lyrics. I, I wrote this song, and I woke up, and I go, oh, and I, and I knew the lyrics. The lyrics were embedded in my head. I woke up with this song, and it was a, about John Lennon's life and how he was shot and killed and gunned down and the whole thing, and it's a great song, you know, but it's kind of poppy, you know, but it was still, it, it, you know, it was a great song, great melody. So I went in the studio, and I recorded it in Chicago at this place called Enterprise Studios with a, a cat named Bob Cater. Uh, this guy, Lenny LaCour, had this little uh, Lake Records, I think it was, like Lake Michigan, you know. Anyway, I, I recorded this song and I played all the instruments on it, except Bob played keyboards on it. I played bass, drums, guitar, and I did all the vocals. And we put out this record, and then, and then the B-side was a song called Make It On Your Own. And so anyway, it wound up on this little record label, and it started getting a lot of airplay, like, on you know, all over the Midwest, you know. And, um, you know, then the guy was selling a record in music stores, and, you know, he was doing really good, you know. And somehow somebody got a hold of the record out here in, in Hollywood. At the at the end of '84, uh, a guy's name was uh, Clive Davis. You know, CSAC. You know, you got ASCAP, BMI, then you have a CSAC. I've never you know, heard of CSAC, but I know the ASCAP and BMI. So that's yeah. That's- well, CSAC is a, a CSAC is like uh, they did. They, you know, they collected you know publishing music for publishers. Sure. And his father was Harry Fox, the Harry Fox Agency. Okay. And, and so his son was Clive Fox. Well, anyway, Clive heard this record and called me up and said, did you write that song? And I said, yeah, man, that's my tune. He goes, dude, you got to come to California. So that, that, that was another reason why I came here. I was coming here anyway because I had to get out of the cold. That was the number one reason. But then I was offered a uh, chance to do a, a thing with MCA Records. And uh, I came out here in 85 in California and you know, I started recording some tracks and we were going to put this record together with MCA, but then the, then the record kind of turned out to 
be too much of a pop record, and I didn't care for it because I was more of a hard-edged type of cat, you know? They tried to, like, you know, basically alter my music into, like, maybe like a Journey-type band, Boston Journey, or whatever. Well, that's what happens when you deal with a record company. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You've seen it from both sides. All this stuff. Exactly. So it just didn't work out for me. But, you know, I stayed in California since 85. And then uh, I've been on the West Coast since. Fantastic. Yeah, better weather. But I, I, <laughs> and you can I still do your music. Here. Yeah. Pardon me? It's better weather and you can still do your music. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so I'm still writing, still singing, still playing. And I, you know, I still got my dream. And, you know, I'm, I'm living my dream, you know. So you still playing around yeah. town or, or are you still, are you touring across the country still or? Or, or is that well, not done? right now? We're not doing it. Everything's on hold right now. I know. Up till, up till the, the world ended. <laughs> were, were you still oh, touring? We were doing great. I was, do, I, was, I was doing a lot of casinos, you know. Vegas oh, that's and cool. And uh, what's weird is because when I, you know, I, I love playing original music, you know. Yeah. But what's weird is when I, when I play casinos, my thing is I play a lot of cover tunes because I got a, uh, I don't, don't want to say pacify people. You want to make people happy. So you get them there, interested. So you, yeah, you give the people what they yeah, want, you, and you, you sprinkle in. So, uh, so, 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 so when I when I do the casino gigs, I do a lot of cover tunes. You know, like eighties sure. uh, rock and stuff like that. You know, uh-huh. and uh, you know, you know, like a lot of Beatles, a lot of Stones, Airplane. I mean, you name it. I do it. You know, Creedence, all that old stuff. You know, but what I do. To make it interesting for me, the only way I can play cover music is to take those songs and make them my own. You understand? Absolutely. You got to put your own little so, twist on so, it. So when I'm doing when I'm doing someone else's tune, basically, you know what it is, but I'm doing it in my you know my style. Of course, it's going to be flavored so with little Jay Gordon on there. <laughs> yeah, so, so I enjoy it. So, so the tunes that I do, I pick and choose very carefully, you know. And I, and I go, man, I dig this, man. Let's do it this way. Let's put it together and you know i'm having a good time doing it absolutely so man. we were doing that and then there's a you know like i i, I put together that, that big show called guitars legends and rebels and that's a 90 minute show and what i was trying to do with that show which i know will happen mm-hmm. uh you know like it's a tribute show i do to the greatest blues and rock guitar players alive that changed the music world so I start with Robert Johnson, Delta Blues, and I, then I go all the way to Black Sabbath. So, and I do 23 songs in 90 minutes. Come on. And it's pretty incredible. It's, it's an incredible show. And um, I th- it's, it's not just a good show musically. It's actually educational, if you understand what I'm saying. Because you get in the history while I'm doing these songs. Like, say, like, like when I'm doing Hendrix, you see Hendrix... You know, many pictures of the Hendrix behind me on a big screen, and it, you see Jimmy, and then it tells you his life history, and it's really cool. You know, when I do Stones, you see the Stones. When I do Clampton, you see Clampton, and it's it's really it's 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 a, like a multimedia venture. You know, it's not just the music. You know, you can see it on a screen, and I think it's going to do really well. Yeah, that know? sounds like some so good family that fun. That that's how the moms and dads are going to uh, get their kids into some classic rock music that's one of the things i i miss about terrestrial radio was giving a little history yeah. before i played the song and that's what you're doing during your your concert you're going to be giving a little history as you're playing the song that's a beautiful exactly. thing man it's, it's, so it's, it, 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 it's you know it's full of history it's historical and it's educational and at the same time you're hearing you know great music so 
it's a it's a winner for everybody, you know, the audience, for me, for you know, for, for the venue. I, I think it's going to be fabulous. So I got that thing going on. And then, of course, you know, I, I do the blues thing, and you know, when I do the blues thing, you know, that's a whole different thing, you know, than the ninety minute thing. And then when I do the casino thing, that's a different thing. So there's three things that I do. You know, I do the casinos, cover stuff, and I. You know, my 90-minute big show, which I, I I think it would be, it would go over really big, like in, uh, you know, big theaters. You know what I mean? Big, big, big arenas and theaters. Man, it sounds so like a good thing. night out. An hour and a half is a good time out with the with the family, with <clears throat> yeah. your friends. Now, now what, what? So anyway, what? so I got those those three things I do. You know, I do the casinos. And I try not to play, you know, small bars or anything like that. I, I'm just, you know, I'm not into it. You know, there's certain places, you know, if I found a little place, you know, there are certain little places I, I like playing because people really respect it and they dig it, you know, and they, and they appreciate what you do, you know, so which is, which is cool too. But mainly it's the casinos, the festivals. And, and, you know, that, that's really what I'm interested well, Jay in. Jay Gordon, you got the freedom and the opportunity at this point in your career. You could do whatever you want. If you feel like playing at a little place, you play at a little place. If you feel like playing something bigger, you do it. Now, the Freedom Coalition Fest, that was canceled. But the Woody Stock Blues Festival, I hope that still goes. That's something that's coming up in October. What is that October, festival? October, yeah. He's going to do that October 3rd and 4th. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. He's a cool, he's pretty good. Cool guy puts that on he's a nice cat you know oh that's and, a, a uh, big festival out there in arizona yeah that's the first well he's done it in california a few times and i played i you know i've worked with the guy in, in california uh two or three times previous in other years and then uh he moved out to kingman uh, the, the cat who's putting it together uh john and then uh you know we talked and, he, and you know we were going to do it together and then uh you know, since I'm endorsed by Gretsch, I also got him a couple guitars, uh, you know, to give away and stuff like that, you know. Fantastic. Well, I hope the fans yeah, you know can... You so, so it was nice, you know, because, you know, we should all help each other, brother. I mean, Absolutely, man. Once you get to a certain point, so, you start to give back. <laughs> that's that's what we're supposed anyway, to be doing. So we were, we, we were going to, you know, after the set, yeah. you know, like I'm, I'm going to play two nights. So after the set on the third... You know, somebody's gonna, uh, you know, I, they do it different ways. I, I, you know, I think for ten dollars you buy a, a, a handful of raffle tickets. You know, you get ten of them or whatever. And after my set, you put them in a little bin, and I pull out the ticket. And somebody's gonna walk away with a beautiful Gretsch guitar in a case. You know, so it's cool. You know, that's fantastic. So, well, I'm yeah, hoping that that's, and, I'm hoping by the time, uh, you know, the hope that this breaks, that we get to break out by October third. I mean that's a that's a good goal, and <laughs> that that show better go. <laughs> I don't want to be stuck in my house any longer. <laughs> no, no, me either. You know, so I I, I believe that's going to happen. But uh, meanwhile, you know, I I miss I miss Deegan because that's all I do. You know, that's all I do is play. You know, I don't yeah. do anything else. And uh, you know, I'm always talking to people. Like this interview with you, I've done a lot. You know, Frank Rozak, he set up a couple. Uh, you know, he worked the record when it first came out for about five months, you know. Yeah. And uh, it did real good, like you saw the radio. And if you go to if you go to news, you can read some of the reviews, too, on there. Heck, yeah. If, if, you, if you're interested. No, your website is very thorough, man. <laughs> the bluesvenom.com. Go check it out. Uh, it's got it but, all. You know, it, it, it's still going to be... 
revamped. There's a lot. I think it's put together really well. Sharon put that together. Yeah, it's but, simple. Um, it, it, it's easy enough to navigate through. That's for sure. Well, that, yeah. The last one we had, a lot of people would say, you know, I thought it was a great website, but people had a hard time navigating around. This one is kind of, like you said, simple, but it's there. But there's a lot of new stuff I want to put on. But the main thing is, you know, like during this uh, pandemic thing, I, I, I've been writing a lot of notes and, you know, like a, like a storyboard for this, uh, you know, for the film. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then uh, I'm, uh, about 26 years ago, I don't know, you know who Philip Walker is? Big blues man out of Austin, out of Texas, you know? I'm sure I can Phillip look him recorded, up. Yeah, Philip Walker, check, check him out. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been hit, man. You know, he, he was really authentic blues guy. He's a great player, and he sang really good. And he toured all the time, and we became friends in Los Angeles. And in 94, I put out a record. It was uh, Jay Gordon and Philip Walker. It was called Blue, It was called Jaywalking. And it was a great album, you know? And I kind of wrote these songs to fit him, you know, like in a more traditional manner, you know? Huh. And uh, we did this record called Jaywalking in 94. And that's like, what, what is that, 26 years ago? And uh, how am I getting so old? Idea, huh? How am I getting so old? Twenty years. <laughs> well, anyway, so so yeah. I'm gonna basically I'm gonna go back in and remaster that album. I'm gonna remaster the Jaywalking record, and I got a couple other bonus tracks that were laying around I didn't use, and I'm gonna put those on there, and I'm gonna re-release the Jaywalking album with the legendary Philip Walker. That is beautiful. What a great way to and, honor his legacy, man. Oh, yeah. No, Phil's been around. You got to, you know, ch- check him out. Oh, I'm looking. I'm looking at his page of, right now. He's he, he, Lots he, of albums. I know who that is. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and it was a great album. You know, Jay Walken was, you know, that album sold well and it got a lot of good reviews. And um, I miss Phil. Phil Phil was a real good friend, you know. He, he passed on and, you know, uh, you know, I was friends with Albert Collins, you know, I did a lot of gigs with Albert, you know, everybody in the blues world, you know, I've been around. But um, Phil was a good guy. He had a club on the south side of Los Angeles called the Club Four. And I used to go in there with um, this guy named Johnny Terrell. I think it was Johnny T. He he played bass with a lot of people for a while. And uh, we used to go in there and we became friends. And then after a while, I would come down to see Philip play on the weekend, and it was funny, you know. I'd walk in the club, and he'd go, "Well, Dave Gordon's in the house," and he hand me his Gibson three thirty five. You know, <laughs> he'd take his guitar off. I'd walk in, he go, "Jay's in the house, man." He goes, "I'm drinking tonight. Jay's playing." <sighs> so the next thing you know, I'd be playing all night with his band, and he'd be drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he'd be drinking beer and shots or whatever he was doing, and then you know, I wound up working. And we became friends, and then, then it was funny, you know. So he goes, "Well, I, uh, Jay, you're, I guess you got a gig here for as long as you want it." And I said, yeah. So you know, I wound up playing with Phil's band, and then you know, then when he wasn't drinking, he play a little. And then uh, he was great. He had, had a great voice. I mean, he used to definitely an authentic blues cat, and uh, he used to come to my house in Hollywood, you know. And he, he goes, man, he goes, man, I got, man, AK, man, write me some songs. Bro. You got to write me some, you got to write me some songs. <laughs> so I said, all right. So I wrote these tunes and I played him about 30 of them. And he goes, man, I really dig these. And so we went in the studio and we cut that record. And that record almost came out on three different labels. But for uh, reasons, business reasons, it didn't. And then Phil and I put it out and got big distribution on it. It did really well. 
But my publicist was telling me, he goes, man, he goes, that, that record you did with, with Philip, he goes, that's an iconic, icon. you know, you know, and there's a lot of important people on that record. You got Philip Walker, who's definitely a blues legend. Mm-hmm. You got myself, I've been around. You got Joey Covington playing drums. You know, he was the second drummer in Jefferson Airplane, and he played with Jefferson Starship. Joey's gone now. He's not here. He's on an album. Russ Green, he played with a guitar player, Hollywood Fats, and a bunch of other people. And there was a guy named Witch Black who played drums, and he played with Ike and Tina Turner and Ohio Players and Earth, Wind, and Fire. I mean, that album is, you know, there's some stellar people on there. So he says, you should remix that and put that out, man. He says, because um, cause he'll work it. And when I did put that record out, I didn't really have a good radio publicity guy. But now that I got Frank, I think a lot of good things would happen with that record because it's historical and it's a it, it's a historical recording. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's fantastic, man. So, you know, I want to put that out. And uh, so, you know, I'm going to be working on that and then along with the documentary. And then also a book, you know. So how how far into that book are you? Are you? Do you well, have, funny, have uh, it all outlined? A good friend of mine, when we get together, he just asks me questions of my life, you know. And he'll just, he'll, you know, he'll because I tell him all these stories, and then he remembers a lot of shit. He goes, "Hey, tell me about that time, blah blah blah," and then we'll talk about that, and we'll just record it, you know. We just record conversations. So I think that book's going to be maybe three, four hundred pages, you know. <laughs> Jay Gordon, you're you're about to leave a legacy for the people, man. You, well, you you've know, been doing you it know, so long. You know, you, you know what's funny? Ever since I've been a kid, the only thing I wanted to do it was weird. You know, my grandmother. You know, she. You know, I always wanted to be like really, you know, great. You know, you know, I just really wanted to be the best I could be as far as a musician, a singer, songwriter, and use you know my capabilities of my talent the best I possibly could and, and make good records and share it with people, you know, and that, that, that was my mission. And, um, you know, it ain't over yet, dude, you know? No, oh, mission nearly accomplished. <laughs> it ain't over till so it's I over, mean, it, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I tell people I'm just getting started. <laughs> At 175 years old, you're doing great. Yeah, I tell people, you know, they go, Jay, you've been around everybody. You got 18 albums. I said, man, I'm just getting started now, bro. You know, I go, you know, you know, now I'm, you know, I'm primed up now. Oh, about this time, I think you're doing the right thing. You're, you're, you're going to put your, your life story in, in book form and in documentary form and teach the kids uh, what music's really like, man, how, how you do it and, and, and teach well, them. Yeah. Make sure in that documentary you put down how to, how to record the studio live like you do. You know, put all the musicians in one room and let them jam, man. Let them get together oh, yeah, and yeah. bounce off each other. Yeah. That's how that's how you make yeah. a, a record that that's electric that that you can feel when you play it. <laughs> exactly. That that's how all records should be made. Oh. You know, that's why it's, it's funny. You know, um, when all these Pro Tools and all these digital studios started, I mean, there's a lot of cool things about Pro Tools. Don't get me wrong. I sure. mean, you can edit real quick and do things. You know, I mean, you know that's what's happening nowadays. But I still record analog, and then I bump it to Pro Tools. Yeah, you got to keep in touch with the with the kids. You know, they, yeah. they, there's you definitely know, these, you know, when, this new technology. When you make records, right? When, when when you're making records analog, you know the sound waves are long and round. I know how to splice. <laughs> I know what a tape you know, to tape is. <laughs> but what I'm saying is the the sound waves are you know they're long. Oh yeah. And round. 
Oh yeah. And they're they're picking up they're they're picking up every little resonance in the room. The sound is 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 you know like but when you record digitally, it, the the sound is transferred really quick. And and when you look at it on a graph, they look like little uh, like uh, pyramids. You know, you know. I mean, I mean it's clean, but you're still missing a lot. Yeah, you know? it's all compressed. You you don't feel the the warmth. Exactly. The, the, there's so much exactly. extra room noise that I you're mean, you're missing. I mean, when you listen when you listen to an album, an LP on vinyl, you know yourself. When you listen to it, and then you you know you buy that same uh, you, you buy that same album on CD and listen to it. it it's different. <laughs> I mean, you, I can hear the difference. Me, I can. Maybe most people can't, but I can hear the difference. You know. I remember when the radio but, uh, stations uh, switched. To fully digital, but anyway, it, it wasn't the but same. But anyway, <laughs> but, but anyway, what you said, uh, uh, teaching the children, you know, teaching the younger generation. Yes, that, that, that's that's a mission to me too. I, I think it's very important that younger kids, that you know, no matter what instrument they play, kind of go back and study the masters of, of where it all came from, and it all starts with the blues. It's the foundation. It's the tree of music in America. And uh, it's very important to get that out to younger children and younger people of where American music came from. And that's a mission uh, of mine. And, you know, and I'm, I'm glad that you, uh, you said that because it's really, really important to let the younger generation know where it started and, you know, where it's gone, you know. Oh yeah. So uh, you know, there's a lot of cats out there. That, you know, they, they, they go, "Well, I'm a blues purist." <laughs> I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> well, and and there's a lot of you know, like my music. You know, I rock the hell out of the blues. You know, so so some guys go, "What is that guy doing?" You know, what's going on with that? You know, but the point of it is, dude, I'm trying to make it interesting, and I don't want you to fall asleep. You know, so when you come to a Jay Gordon show, you're not going to fall asleep. You know, my mission is to get, you know, you, you know, I want you to boogie. I want you to get up and dance and have a good time, you know. But I, you know, I, I slow it down and I do, you know, I do a, a very wide eclectic style of, you know, from the, from Chicago blues, Texas blues, to swing, to boogie, to rock, to funk, to fusion. You got to do it all, man. But, um, music is a beautiful thing, brother. Now you've uh, chewed a lot of dirt and it has enhanced your playing your style your style is an amalgamation of of all the experience that you've had with all these different great uh, musicians that you've played with and it had to affect you just being in chicago had to affect you (laughs) the home of the blues you know i used to cut school dude you know it's funny when i got a driver's license this is funny you know you know, because I played baseball too. You know, I was, you know, I was, I was, I was in the sports. Yeah. You know, I was, I was really. I played little league baseball. I played baseball. I played semi-pro ball. You know, I was great. I was a really good ball player. You know, and I wrestled in high school. You know, stuff like that. So I was pretty athletic. But you know, the music took it all. Took took all that away. Just washed everything away. Yeah. You know, the music just overpowered me. <laughs> and I, you know, I just knew that that was my calling. But um. When I got a driver's license, you know, it was funny. My grandmother bought me my first car, you know, a 19, what was it? It was a 1967 Ford Fairline. It was lime green with a white interior. There wasn't a scratch on it. You oh, know? you never forget your first. It, 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 was a cool, it was a cool car. Remember those cars? Oh, yeah. Ford Fairlane. Hello. So, <laughs> so I used to I used to get up in the morning, man, you know, okay, we'll see you later. You know, I was in high school. and. Uh, 
you know, I'd go to, you know, they'd be there at 8 o'clock, you know, and then, you know, you get out at 3.30, but a lot of times I'd take off at 11.30, you know, and I'd just get in the car and I'd go down to the south side, you know. I'd go hang out at the checkerboard or Teresa's Lounge. And then, you know, that's where I met the, you know, Buddy Guy and Junior Wells. And, you know, I'd be down there playing guitar all day, you know, <laughs> jamming with all these guys, you know. It was a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of fun, man. But, you know, I had a chance to be around a lot of older players. And, um, you know, like when I was 17, 18, you know, I met Mike Bloomfield and Paul Butterfield. You know, you know, they were playing blues at all these colleges, you know, and uh, pretty interesting. Just, just interesting. I've been around a lot of, a lot of guys that really did well. You know, who never quit and never stopped. You know, that were natural born players. You know, you know you guys on that mission. You know what I mean? Yeah, those are the people you looked up to. But uh, how do you feel being the one that the kids are looking up to now? I, well, you know, I, I, I dig it. I, I, I like it. That's what I'm, I'm telling you. I, I, I think uh, you know the, the kids are the future of tomorrow. Heck so yeah. I, I'd like to see. I'd like to see the kids of today go back in the past and like I said study the masters and learn about where it all came from to keep it because when I'm gone I, I want to see this music continue on you know because you know it has a life of itself I mean well that's the power know, of it, a musician that's the power you have Jay Gordon is to leave a legacy well, you know hopefully that, 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 that's nice you say that you know, it's I, out I, there I like to think that yeah. part of me You've made so much, man. It's out there. You you're leaving a legacy already, <laughs> and you're and you're not well, done yet. Like, not even a little. Not not by a long shot. You're still going. <laughs> I told you, I'm just getting started. Heck yeah! All but, right, uh, my man. I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's uh it's it's been a journey. You know, it's uh you know everybody has a different journey. Everybody, you know, like when one door closes, another door opens. You know, I'm sure you heard that old that old saying. But oh, that old bottom line of it is. The bottom line of it is, if no matter what you do in life, you know, no matter what you do in life, try to do it to the best of your capabilities and never give up. Because I believe once you give up your dream, you die. And you may die, you may leave this world unhappy because you didn't try to accomplish what you wanted to do. So it's very important, no matter what you do, like what you do, you believe in what you do, you believe in the show, you believe in interviewing people, you believe in talking to people to, to get to know what makes them tick. Yeah. So you, you're you on a mission yourself. It's kind of like what I'm doing, but in a different a different way, you know? So, you know, the world needs guys like you, not just guys like me. We need radio personnel. You know, we need personalities. We need people that are interested in keeping the legacy of music alive and well and keeping it real, you know, Absolutely. you know what I mean? Like keeping it real, keep keeping the music real. Absolutely. My <laughs> you know what I mean? No drum machines, brother, no synthesizers. <laughs> I guess there's a place for that, man, but I, I've, I've never, I, I've never gotten into it. I, I do like watching a live band. That's for sure. Even, even being a mobile DJ as myself, it's nice to see a band play. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, there's nothing like live music. Yeah. All right, my man. But you know, like, like you know, like you said, there's a there's a there's a place, for, you know, for everybody. That's a, I, I think I said that an hour ago. I said no matter what, <laughs> what no matter what type of music it is. I mean, there, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, there's a there, there's an audience. You know, if if you create your your thing, you know, even a guy that does DJ, you know, I mean, look at rap music. I mean, I mean, you know, look at guys like Ice T. I mean. 
I met him once in a in a bank in Hollywood. <laughs> Pretty funny. It was, a, it was a good story. That's going to be in that book and in that, in that documentary. But uh, I told him he. I told him my name was Cold Coffee. <laughs> I, I told I, I, he was he, he was in Denny's one night. You know, we met each other at the Security Pacific Bank. Yeah. After he got his first big royalty check, and he was standing back when we started talking, it was really so we kind of got to know each other. He was really cool, you know. And then we would run into each other periodically in Hollywood. And one night he was in Denny's, you know, you know, with, with, you know, with his, with his uh, crew, you know. And I came in and I said, hey, Ice, what's happening, brother? And he says, hey, Jay. I said, man, I'm changing my name to Cold Coffee. I said, I'm Cold Coffee, baby. And he, he said, Jay, you're out of your mind, brother. I said, sit down and have some coffee. He said, sit down and have some coffee with the brothers. I said, all right. I said, but I'm drinking tea, baby. Cold Coffee. Anyway, that's it. Pretty cool shit, you know. I think so. Anyway, man, I'm sure you got stories for days and days, man. I love it. But when I lived in when I lived in Hollywood, I did have a straight job once. Yeah. And I worked for a company called Olson Stage Lighting, and I worked there for about seventy years. <clears throat> but I was still playing music all the time. Yeah, that's but an adjacent a job. That's a, a that's a job that that a musician would have. Yeah. <laughs> it's like working my, a guitar center old, or something. <laughs> Yeah, well, I worked for this lighting company, and, uh, you know, I used to put down the Olsen Lighting. They had a contract with, um, you, you know, the people that put the stars down on Hollywood Boulevard. I don't know them personally, but I guess you do. <laughs> yeah, well, that was Johnny Grant. He, huh. You know, Johnny Grant was Johnny Grant was the honorary mayor of Hollywood. Okay. And, you know, with the Hollywood Reporter, and they put the stars down. So the company, I used to put down, I used to set up the podium and the red carpet. And the microphone, I used to run the sound, you know, when people would get a star, you know, I put down, you know, like Tina Turner, Michael Jackson. I mean, the list goes on and on, you know, I was, you know, I did all that in Hollywood. And, uh, you know, I'd set up the podium, the crowd controls, the red carpet. And then my job was to run the sound to CBS, NBC and ABC. You know, I had a little tape machine called a Nagra. You know what a Nagra is? Nope. Well, a Nagra is a, it's a, a portable tape machine. They call it a Nagra. And so I would set the line up, you know, to their trucks. And then the, the sound you heard when somebody was getting a start on it was basically my sound that was transferred, you know, to NBC or ABC or whatever, you know. I just looked up but a anyway, Nagra. I met a lot. <laughs> I of, a lot I, so I, I met a lot of people. But when I went... The funny thing is, when I had that job, I'd set up the PA system and everything, you know, you know where they would speak and all that. And I used to blast Jay Gordon music on Hollywood Boulevard That's before these cool. events. No, no, before these events, right? You know, yeah. people would be, you know, like, like say, be there at eleven thirty and see uh, Tina Turner getting a star in front of Capitol Records. So I, you know, we get out there at six thirty in the morning, set everything up, and I'd be blasting my music. And I used to drive Johnny Grant up a tree. <laughs> well, that's he, what he you do, to, man. That's what you no, do. No, he used, to, he, used to, he used to love me. He goes, man, who are you listening to today? I go, that's me, brother. Yeah. And, and I'd be blasting, you know, just Jay Gordon music, you know. Like, you know, albums I, you know, demos I was working on, albums I had out. And, uh, you know. Well, well of course, man. You're going to self-promote. Well, yeah. I met a lot of cats, man, in Hollywood, you know, from actors. Very famous actors, you know? yeah. Because like, I worked, at, you know, like on a lot of film shoots. You know, I went on a lot of film shoots, and I would, you know, I wasn't the best boy or anybody on a set, but you know, um, 
I would do a lot of lighting for, you know, cats filming, you know, I'd, you know, right. I'd bring, bring all the, and it, it was a great job. That was the only job I liked other than playing guitar. Yeah. I mean, you were in the right town. I mean, it was, you got to it meet was a lot a cool of people. Gig. I mean, it was a cool gig. You know, I met a lot of musicians, a lot of, you know, a, a lot of actors, you know, that's cool. And, and it was, a, it was, you know, it's, it's, part of what I did and it, it, it was it was pretty funny I could tell you some funny funny stories man <laughs> I mean and, it reminds uh, me of when I was living in Miami I met a lot of people down there it was great <laughs> when, when, when you were in Miami what were you doing I was born and raised in Miami <laughs> I, I was doing radio since 86 on and off since when 86 oh shit you're an old guy too <laughs> 51 years old I told you that in the beginning I'm not afraid no, to I say know. my I, age. I, I, had to, I, I had to throw that back at you. I, I said, I'm going to get him. Before this, before, before this ends, I'm going to get Dan. I said, I'm going to get him. I'm, I'm going to remind him, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, but actually, you know, you're a good-looking old guy, right? <laughs> well, that's what, hopefully hopefully my wife thinks so. Hey, we'll see. <laughs> so how many children How many children you have, bro? I got two little girls, man. Uh, uh, one oh, one real little girl and, uh, and and one that just made me a grandpa. So yeah, I'm getting older. Oh, <laughs> and and uh, how old is the youngest? Uh, Fourteen. Oh wow. Yep, still here. Oh, that's cool. And, and watching that's her cool. watching her grow and she gets more amazing every day, man. We were talking about that magic that's in the world where she started as as a, as nothing and became that's right. this wonderful fourteen year old girl. Wonderful. Everything comes from nothing. But anyway. That's amazing. You know, it is amazing, especially, you know, especially when you have a loving family, you know? Yeah. You know, that's very important, you know, that people stay tight and, you know, love one another. Well, people are figuring that out, man. We're all locked up uh, indoors together, so we better like each other. Uh, I know a lot of people are getting on on each other's nerves. (laughs) Well, that's happening, too. You know, uh, (laughs) that's not happening over here, but, I mean, that, that happens. I mean, they say that. You know, it's really weird. They said a lot of uh, domestic violence and stuff like that is, is kind of went up because people are locked up together, you know? Yeah, so I've heard that side of it too, man. I've seen that on my on my Facebook feed. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. So, you, so, so you've been in radio since 86? On and off, yeah. Yeah. At WKPX wow. 88.5 in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The, <laughs> was that a big rock station there? Nope. It was a high school radio. I, I got out of high school and I said, well, what do I want to be when I grow up? Well, there's a, there's a, a class over there at that high school radio. So I went over there and, and started spinning some records. It was fun. You know what's, you know what's, um, I wanted to bring this up since we're talking. When I first moved to Hollywood, you, there was, uh, remember Merv Griffin? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, anyway, he, he owned this whole block. And Vine it was from Selmer all the way to uh, Hollywood, and, and he had this big building, you know, where he shot the Merv Griffin show and all kinds of other shit. Yeah. But they had these storefronts, and you could look at them, and they had turntables in there, and they had classes on how to be a DJ. Yeah. And so, so when I used to walk by there, I'd see guys in there learning, you know, learning, the, you know, their craft. You know, there'd be it, it was incredible, you know. Oh yeah, I, mean, I thought it was pretty cool. I, so I used to eat at this. There was a little fast food joint over there. Uh, I used to, you know, get like an Italian sausage or a Polish sausage or a hot dog or something. <laughs> and then I'd walk back, and you know, it was 
I, I, I'd sit in front of the glass and watch these guys and talk to them. You know, and they'd, they'd wave and I go, "Hey, play so and so." You know, <laughs> but that was cool. It is that cool, cool, man. So uh, sometimes I think I'm know, too I old saw, for it. I, I, I'm not too old. No, for it. you're never, you're never too old. You're never too old to interview people, bro. And, and you know, as long as you got the gift to gab. No, and playing you music, know, that's the that's the part, the DJ part. I'm still doing that. I love it. That's cool. You do a lot of big house parties? I do a lot of bar parties, those, those same bars that, that you won't play. I love them. I'll play them. <laughs> I, didn't, well, I, didn't say, I didn't say. I, I know. I know. I'm, pl- I'm messing with you, Jay. <laughs> but th- you know what? There was a place in California I used to play every Sunday. Yeah. And, uh. You know, because every time we played, especially in the summertime, all the bikers, you know, not, you know, just people that rode Harleys, people that rode, two, you know, rice burners or whatever. All the, man, this place, the word got out, I was playing over there, this place was packed all the time on Sundays. And we had a blast in that place. Man. Yeah. I mean, we just had a blast in there. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it lasted like for three or four summers. And, uh, then the guy sold the joint, and then it was over. And when these other people took it over, the place became unfun. You know what I mean? Yeah, that happens. But there, there are certain places, man, where you could just have a blast, you know, where people just want to hear great music and come down and really, you know, rock out and have a great time, you know? Yeah, I'll keep but, doing uh, it till, my it's, buddy was till me, it's not fun my anymore. Buddy was me, pardon me? I'll keep doing it till it's not fun anymore. I can't hear you. I will keep doing it till it's not fun anymore. Oh yeah, you got to do it, man. It's, it's cool. You get people together, you do your thing, and I mean that's what it's about, man. Yeah. So, um, how many listeners do you usually have on these interviews? I don't know. Potentially millions, man. <laughs> I, I never look at the <laughs> analytics. <laughs> but as we're winding right, well, down, I mean, uh, you know, what's uh, on the horizon? We already know that there's a book, there's a documentary coming. Jay Gordon's going to lay down his story uh, for in various media for the people to know, for the people to hear and tell man, we, we've been talking an hour and a half and I know we could still go another three hours. If you wanted to, you got stories for days. I can feel it, <laughs> but I, I think well, we're going to go ahead and wind it down. And usually, uh, I, you know, if, if there's any particular a- avenues that you want to explore, or any shout outs you want to give, you can do that now. For sure. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, I like to make, you know make a one big shout out to uh, all the all, all all my friends and I don't like to use the word fans because you know that sounds funny. But there are you know people that buy my records. I guess they're my fans. But to all the people that have uh, supported Jay Gordon music throughout the years, who've ever bought you know a, a single, a download, an album, I like to thank everybody who has uh, participated and getting the word out there about my music and buying my music and sharing it with people because, uh, you know, it's, it's all about the people. It's not about me. It's about people bringing people together. So I like to thank everybody out there who's, and, and, you know, throughout the years, you know, who, who supported me and come to my shows and spend money. And that's important. And, uh, got a good brother out there, Patrick, I want to say hello to. He's, you know, he's, uh, part of my crew. You know, and uh, all all the people that work with me, all the people that have ever ever recorded records with me, Sharon, you know, she's she's been quite supportive of what I do throughout the years. It's important, you know, that I give her a shout out, and Patrick and Frank Rozak and everybody, everybody, everybody who's ever been a part of what I've done, you know, and uh, you know, 
because they're also helping keep my legacy alive because they're a part of making music with me. So it's not all about me, man. It's about it. It's about the whole package of people. And uh, I want to thank you for having me on the show and all the interviews that I've done, you know, on radio to, throughout my history. I like to thank, you know, I'm thankful for everything. And uh, it's it's important to be thankful and, and humble and, uh, you know, for, 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 for everything you have and everything that you're trying to acquire. And hopefully we're all trying to get to that one piece of uh, health happiness and love and, and prosper at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah, Jay Gordon, you, you, you recognize it's a team effort, man. It, you've touched a lot of lives. You've touched a lot of souls. A lot of people have been digging yeah, your music sure. and, and you've been digging other people's music and you get to play alongside oh, yeah. those people. That's great, man. You've, you've li- but, uh, you're leading a great life. Well, before, um, once again, I want to thank you for um, having me on your program. Uh, and, and I had a good time talking to you, bro, because sometimes I do interviews and they ask me the wrong things. No, this is. But I, I, I want to compliment you on, you know, keeping it rolling and keeping things moving. <laughs> and I think you did a great job at interviewing me and, you know, bringing up certain things. Well, and, you, uh, you made it easy on my end, man, because <laughs> you came up with some great stories. And, if I find something interesting, I'll, I'll I'll ask you a little bit about it. You don't yeah. want to talk about it? That's fine, so, too. <laughs> so what I want to ask you is, please. what do you have to say to the world? Not just what I have to say to the world. What do you have to say to Jay Gordon and the rest of the world out there on your feelings of where do you think the world was moving? Oh, the way the world is moving at this particular moment as we're dealing with this pandemic or, or in other yeah. respects? Oh, with the pandemic, I hope we're blowing yeah. it out of proportion. When I go out, I don't wear a mask. I don't wear gloves, but I am vigil, vigilant. I do stay away from people. I'm not shaking hands mm-hmm. anymore. You know, I've, I've always fist bumped, you know, I meet so many people every week, hundreds of people, sometimes thousands of people in, in a week and I, I shaking all their hands, you know, would be, would, would be detrimental to my health and possibly theirs. So I've been fist bumping and, and I think the new, mm-hmm. uh, the new thing is going to be uh, finger guns and jazz hands. How you holding up? Ah, jazz hands. Everything's good. <laughs> so uh, there you go. You know, uh, I, I'm vigilant. I I feel like it's it's a little out of proportion, but once again, it's something yeah. that we don't have a cure for. I, I feel for the people that have died, but I, hopefully, history will show. Hey, we 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 overdid it, you know, and and it wasn't that bad. So that's right. We'll, we'll break that's out good. of this I'm real right soon, man. Well. Uh, you know, that, that's a, uh, a, a good positive message, my brother. Yeah. I think so, about the people that have uh, are su- survived. You know, there's a lot of people getting it. Well, yeah. You know, but oh, yeah. a lot that's of people important. are surviving. All right. As we wind this thing. You. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, you want to wind down and then. I, no, go ahead. Just ask me what you want. Ask me anything, man. No, I was going to say to you, um, when you put this up, please let me know where I can listen to it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll definitely send you the link directly afterwards probably the next hour yeah. or so all right yeah, because you know i because i want to share it with everybody you know what absolutely, i mean absolutely man i want to hear you yeah, i want everybody to hear your thoughts on things and and what's going on and i feel like this is part one once we break out of this thing i want to reconnect with with everybody that i've had on on this program and okay. i want to reconnect I, with I like you as, as time progresses yeah, just uh, jay gordon part one interview you got it right <laughs> All right. And usually I, I wind these things down with uh, last words for the people and Jay Gordon. It's, this could be something that, you know, words to live by, maybe something your grandma or your mama told you. 
uh, way back when, or just whatever pops into your head right now. Uh, Jay Gordon, last words for the people. Well, I always say power to the people because uh, the government works for the people. That's all I want to tell you. Power to the people because we are the people and we have the power to take this planet and, and to get rid of this pandemic and uh, to live in a positive, peaceful manner worldwide. I'm all about world peace and I'm all about music and I'm all about bringing people together from all walks of life. And I wish everybody the best that they can possibly main, maintain and receive in this life. If you work hard for it, it'll come to you. So, uh, I, you know, I, I, I wish I had the power to bless every, everything and every, every living creature on this planet and every human being, you know, to, to put the positive word of love into their spirituality. And that's, that's where I'm at. You know. I'm all about spreading the music, spreading the love, spreading the magic, and keeping uh, all the evil, negative things that are in life away from me and others. So I think we're, we should protect each other and love each other. And it, it would be nice if the world uh, you know, could come together like that. And I think there's more people in the world that are positive and that are loving and deceitful, negative folks. I, th I think there's more loving people in the world, you know, and uh, hopefully that continues. And keep the blues alive, damn it. Well, there you have it, party people. Jay Gordon. Yeah, I encourage you to check out Jay Gordon at his Blues Venom website. Yeah, it's Jay Gordon and Blues Venom. That's his latest project. The man will be playing. As soon as we bust out of this, bust out of this coronavirus pandemic, he'll be playing at a place near you. And if he's not near you, you travel to him and you get some Jay Gordon in your life. You just spent a couple of hours with him and it was wonderful, man. That was just scratching the surface. This man has so much hist historical knowledge of music. He's played with the greats so many and uh, that some of the, all that greatness brushed off on him and made him great. And I, I, I watch his videos and I, I see him playing his guitar and you could tell he is loving it. He is fantastic, man. And that's just on videos. I haven't had the pleasure of watching them live. I hope that that happens uh, one day in the near future. Yeah, that's right. Jay Gordon and Blues Venom. Ah, that was a good one. That was a good one. I look forward to catching up with Jay Gordon. As time progresses. All right, party people. That's it for this edition of what makes you famous. I, if you that's yeah, I'm talking to you, the loyal listener. If you want to tell your story, I encourage you to give me a call at 501-470-6386 or email info at radio. What.com. That's it for me. It's keys. Dan radio. What.com DJ little rock.com. Peace. I'm out of here. Follow Keys Dan on Facebook and Twitter. Click on the links at the top of keysdan.com. Follow Radio What's on Facebook and Twitter. Click on the links at the top of radiowhats.com. The music you want is on. If you like what you hear, follow What Makes You Famous social media. Use the hashtag What Makes You Famous. Follow on Facebook at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Instagram at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Twitter at Makes Famous and follow on YouTube at Keys Dan. Leave What Makes You Famous podcast a review and subscribe. 
Listen to What Makes You Famous podcast on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and almost anywhere you find podcasts. Tell your story on my podcast, What Makes You Famous. Call 501-470-6386 and leave a message to set up a time. You can support What Makes You Famous using the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash keysdan email info at radiowhat.com what makes you famous podcast is a production of keysdan enterprises incorporated at keysdan.com thank you for listening radio what the music you want with some great Great quotes one has a greater sense of intellectual degradation after an interview with the doctor than from any human experience alice james the music you want, radiowhat.com.